grace of God is so attractive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you as we partake the communion, as we come, as we sing this hymn, uh, we are reminded again and again that we are saved by grace. Help us never to forget and help us always to bring the amazing back into the grace and know that it is truly amazing that we are redeemed, we are saved by grace alone. Thank you. Uh, be with us as we study your word together during this Advent season as we anticipate and remember that Christ came for us. Thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As they say, silence sometimes can be golden, isn't it? But sometimes uh, silence can be difficult thing to experience. Like the silence of night, when you lay in bed alone, the thoughts that roar through your brain, and you wish you had someone to share with them, but all the world is asleep except you. Or the silence of distance. You love to be able to communicate with a loved one, but for whatever reason, you cannot reach them. Uh, you can remember them and wish you could touch them and hear their voice. And that kind of silence can really get to you after a while. I remember when I was Bible college, one lecturer, uh, his son went uh, skiing somewhere in Canada, I think, and then they experienced some sort of a, a crisis there. And uh, he just, no contact with the son. Uh, and that was for a few days before they found the son alive, thankfully. Um, but that period was very difficult. And that kind of silence can be difficult. It is the sort of silence that Zacharias and many other people, the Jewish people, even as a nation, were surrounded by silence. They're waiting and waiting and waiting for the coming of Messiah. Maybe we don't feel it that way, but you must understand that for them, it was a huge holy silence. The silence of God. They've been waiting for God to break his silence because for 400 years, God has been silent. Old Testament, New Testament, between Old and New Testament is called an inter-testament period. There was 400 years, God was silent. The last prophet was Malachi and he prophesied the last time and then God was silent. And waiting, the whole nation has been waiting and waiting for God to speak again, for God to break His silence. And finally, finally, John the Baptist, born of Zacharias and Elizabeth, came and proclaimed, Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. So 400 years They've been waiting. They've been waiting, been praying. They've been waiting. God, when are you going to break this silence? And so this is what I'm going to do. We are going to continue the series on Christmas characters during this Advent season. And Pastor Caroline has uh, touched on uh, Angel Gabriel announcing way back that it's going to come a time that Jesus will come. Today, I'm going to do Zacharias. I want to give you four pictures of Zacharias. And then I will read the account of the birth of John the Baptist. And then Zacharias prophesies over what this John the Baptist, his son, is going to do. 
and then I will finish up by uh, just a simple illustration to tie everything together. So this is how we are going. So let me just say, the, how many Zechariahs do you know in the Bible? How many Zechariahs do you think there are in the Bible? Want to give a guess? Two? Because you know this Zechariahs and the book of Zechariah is in it. But I tell you, actually there are 85 Zechariahs in the Bible. No, no, actually it's not 28. 28 Zechariahs. I was doing my research. I said, what? Now 28? I only know two. Zechariahs means, uh, let me see what it is. The, the name Zechariah simply means God has remembered. Yahweh remember. God has remembered. And I think it's so significant isn't it, to Zechariah, his name, that he was longing and waiting for the Messiah to come. And his name tells or reminds him that God has remembered. He has not forgotten his promise. And I want to see also not just Zechariah, but entire family. Elizabeth means God has sworn, or the oath of God. And John, which is a very common name, which means God has graciously given. Zechariah means God has remembered. Elizabeth means God has sworn to his oath, the oath of God. And John means God has graciously given. So if you put all these three together, it says God has remembered his oath by graciously giving John, which will become the forerunner of the Messiah, who will announce the coming of the Messiah, who will prepare the way for the coming of Jesus, who is the Savior of this world. God has remembered his oath by graciously giving John to Israel to announce the forthcoming of the Messiah. But the next question we have to ask before we unpack the, the, the the, the story of Zechariah is what really did God promise? What does he remember or the oath that he wants to, to do? What promise? What oath has God remembered? I think the names of Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John that today we'll be looking at point us back to the very first promise. A promise far, far back. Way before uh, Gabriel announcing and appear to Daniel way before that down to the first book in the Bible Genesis that God has made a promise you know what's the promise? the promise is after man sinned after man fell uh, God pronounced a curse on the serpent Satan and this is what God said to the, to the serpent He said because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and thus you will eat all the days of your life. And here is the very first promise. Way back. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you, and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is what the theologian called the proto-evangelium. 
which means the first hint of the gospel. The very first hint of the gospel, right at the book of Genesis, that is already forecast, foretold, that God is going to put enmity between Satan and the descendants of David, which is coming to Jesus. But interestingly, you say between your seed and her seed. When you make babies, usually men provide the seed and women just receive the seed. And never in any ancient literature or even the Bible ever mentioned women as a seed. Maybe it's to tell us, I think it is telling us, that we will be in a very different form of conception. That the seed will not come from a human male. And here it basically says that it will be a clash of the future. In the process, his heel, you say here, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. In the process, his heel will be bruised on the cross, that Jesus. And at the same time, Jesus will crush the serpent's head. And so, in short, in this verse, the proto-evangelium, the first hint of the gospel, right from Genesis chapter 3, during the fall of man, uh, the verse predicts that Jesus will win the victory over Satan, but would himself be wounded at the same time by sacrificing his life on the cross. So way back. And so this story is unpacking. Unpacking the meta-narrative of of the gospel way back and all the rest of the story followed down since the fall of man right through to the coming of Jesus and saving the world. So let me just uh, now move on to explain this bigger story of Zacharias. Uh, four pictures that I want to give to you about the story of Zacharias and then I'll read the story of his John the Baptist's birth and Zechariah's uh, songs sing over John the Baptist and then I'll wrap it up. What we can say about uh, Zechariah the priest, God has remembered. Four things we can say about Zechariah. Firstly, uh, Zechariah uh, was a very faithful priest. Very faithful priest. You can see this in Luke chapter 1. By the way, the text is taken from Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 5 to 7. Chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. It tells us that Zechariah was a very faithful priest. Let me read to you this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Uh, we are told that Zechariah belongs to the priestly division of Abijah, meaning he is a descendant of Aaron, the high priest. Back in the Old Testament, the whole tribe of uh, Levi is devoted to the priestly function in the temple. And Abijah, of course, descended from Eleazar, which is Aaron's eldest or oldest son. And so we are told that Zechariah is from that division, from down the division of Abijah, who is from the, down from Aaron's oldest son. And we are also told that his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. They, and he says something about them, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So they are very uh, godly couples. Uh, they are from the priestly family. They perform that they've been entrusted 
to perform the, the duty as a priest on behalf of the people. And Elizabeth also are from the, down, the, the line of Aaron. Now we must remember that although they are upright, they are righteous, they are observing uh, decrees blamelessly. Blamelessly doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean to say that he is perfect. Uh, this does not mean he's sinless. Rather, it means he has more than an external legal righteousness. There is so much of the Old Testament priests. If you see here the story of the Good Samaritans about the priests and all that, you roughly know that kind of image in that culture at that time of the reputation of the priests. But uh, Zacharias and, 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 and is not like that. They, they are godly couple. It's not just when externally adhere to things, but internally are really uh, walking in the way of the Lord. So here it, 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 it says that they are, they are godly, they are righteous, they are good couple, godly couple. But even then, there is some issue within this couple. In verse 7, they have a problem. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Uh, most uh, biblical scholars agree that they were probably in their 60s. I don't know why the translations say very old. Uh, I'm sorry if you are in that zone. Uh, I'm not there yet. Uh, so if you are 80, like less, you are probably what? Very, very, very old or what? I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but they were probably in their, in their 60s. Uh, uh, um, definitely is well above the age of able to conceive in the sense. And so even though they are godly, they will be uh, devoting to the service of the Lord. Uh, some, some, some things that we struggle in life is due to our sin. But there are things in our life that we experience are not necessarily due to our sin. It is not. Most of the time, we, we, because of our, our sin, we did make some wrong decision and we suffer the consequences in a sense. But there are many things in life, uh, especially if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you must believe that not everything is due to your sin. Sometimes it's just circumstances and sometimes the Lord has allowed certain things to happen so as to use this as an opportunity to shape and mold us, to go through, to learn to trust in Him, to learn to depend on Him, and all this kind of thing happens. And so I believe... That is the situation uh, for uh, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. But of course, uh, in that culture, being childless is uh, often being seen as God has some sort of a disfavor on you. And it's some sort of a, a, a curse on you not to be able to bear a child. And so there's a kind of stigma that they have to carry them at that time of that kind of culture and that kind of it because blessing child is the blessing from God in the sense and when you cannot conceive it shows that God is not absolutely satisfied with something that you are doing in a sense so they have to bear with the, the stigma for, uh, for, for their life in the sense in, into their 60s but having said that the important thing I want to bring up is that Zechariah was a faithful priest despite of what he was going through he remains faithful to God yeah? He remains faithful to God. And how many of our, I mean, simple application here is how many times our, faith is our faithfulness to God is depending on the circumstances that we are in. How many times many Christians are like that? That is depending on how happy you are, what kind of situation that you are in. When everything is going smoothly, then we can praise God. But when everything is not going smoothly, we kind of blame God. 
But Zacharias is not like that. And therefore, he is faithful to God. He keeps on serving and he keeps on loving God because he believed that God has an ultimate plan in his life, even though he was childless at the time. They were still praying. There is no doubt in my mind that they were praying for a child, even at that old age. Why I believe that they prayed for it? Because he's going to tell us that. What, what, how do you know what they are praying about? Although the Bible didn't tell us, but the angel did announce that your prayers have been answered. So the answering prayer is to tell you what they've been praying about even though it may not be directly telling us what he was praying about. Of course, I believe he was praying for a child. They have a child. They were also praying for the Messiah to come, which is every Jew's uh, are longing in the sense of a Messiah to come. God, please break your silence. What have we done as a nation? Please come and rescue us. We are under the subject of the Roman Empire. Please come and redeem us from this. Bring us to the good old days again, like the King David time. And... Uh, Orthodox Jews still pray that prayer. They still believe the Messiah is, is to come. They still don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah. And even Islam, Muslims are still waiting for the Messiah to come too. Did you know? It's called Mahdi. The Mahdi to come. And if you study scripture, the Mahdi is our Antichrist. Well, we're not going to down the path, but here is to say, uh, he was a faithful priest. Second thing that we can talk about Zechariah is not just that he was a faithful priest, but he was a fearful priest. It's quite ironic, isn't it? Uh, well, he's a faithful priest, but he was a fearful priest. How do we know that? Uh, let me just read to you 8 to 17, and as we unpack, you see that how fearful he was. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, there were more priests than the the task that is assigned for them. So every division worked only two weeks. They rostered since the time of David, 24 divisions, and they rostered two weeks a year. And uh, some, and, and they have different functions as well. And of course, the high priest is the one that is able to enter the, the Holy of Holies once a year. The rest of the priests just serving outer courts and, and some, and Zechariah's, and, and you get to do this sometimes once in your lifetime. That's all. Uh, um, he was serving as a priest before God that day. Uh, he was chosen by Lord, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. You must remember the temple court is a very large one. You have the you have the outer court for the Gentiles, and then as you enter in, is a is a court for the women, and then further on is a court for the Jewish men, and then you go even further. That's where priests perform some of the duty where Zechariah would be at this part of the court, and then the next level will be the curtain where where the holy of holies is, where the tabernacle of God is is there, and only the high priest is permitted to enter once a year. Uh, but Nehemiah, I mean, not Nehemiah, sorry, I've been preaching Nehemiah. Zechariah is just outside that, the Holy of Holy Curtain. And there, when he enter, there'll be three things there. The lampstand will be there, and the table of short bread, which has bread there, that symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. And then there's this table uh, for, to, uh, to, to burn incense, in a sense. And so he was chosen by Lord to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. So the Jewish people, the male, 
the female and the Gentiles, they were outside, and here Zechariah was inside burning incense. Burning incense. And there will be one priest that tried to clear away uh, morning and evening, last night uh, 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 incense, and then another priest will put some live coal on it burning, and then here Zechariah went over and spread the incense over the coal. And as he spread the incense over the coal, the sweet smell of Roma began to rise up. And interestingly, as the incense began to rise up, uh, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside at the same time. As they were praying, the incense went up. Uh, I, I think there's some very, very beautiful lessons that uh, uh, we can learn from this, this thing about prayer. Our prayers, God desire our prayer, our prayer to God is like an incense going up to heaven. The sweet aroma of prayers that when we pray, that goes into heaven. Beautiful. Uh, Psalm 141 verse 2 uh, say, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. And then Revelation chapter 8 says, Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in the front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Isn't that beautiful? As we pray, it's like a sweet aroma. The incense that went up to heaven. And it's a nice, beautiful fragrance smell. Like when we go through this building project, we are going marching through this, this prayer challenge together with the book. Everybody, all of us are uh, two weeks, one chapter praying through that for the church. And those are like incense, beautifully rise up to God. Like a sweet smell, fragrance that we offer to God. And then it says here, Then angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. He was burning, he was scattering all this incense over the coal, and, and, all this, and then suddenly an angel appeared. Now there are some, from my study, there are some uh, uh, scholars say that it's very interesting because usually the right side is, re is reserved for God. And the angel stand at the right side of the altar, usually on the left side. Uh, so some tend to believe the idea that God himself appeared in the form of an angel, uh, announcing this to, uh, to Zechariah. I, I don't know that. I, we can't be certain of that. But it's only to, to pick up, uh, look, particularly a physician is very detailed in, uh, in, uh, in, in expressing things, you know. And he specifically says the right side of the altar of incense. Uh, and then when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. That's why I say he was a fearful priest. He was shocked. He was, he was in shock. It's quite interesting to, for me to think that even when you are, uh, I suppose so, you know, when you, are, when, 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 you, when, you, when you have been praying for the prayer and then suddenly the angel of prayer, he was, Startled and gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, or some older version would say, Fear not, isn't it? Fear not is, of course, is very different from no fear. Uh, no fear is, of course, very humanistic. Uh, it's a brand, uh, it's almost like yourself. No fear, no fear. I'm going to have no fear. But, but fear not is different. Fear not is actually you fear. You're very fearful, but because you rely on God, you are no longer fear. So you see, 
No fear is you depending on yourself, whereas fear, no, is you're very fearful, but because God is there to help you, and God is by your side, then there's no fear. So it's not very humanistic. You're depending on God, which is our Christian living. Our basic Christian living is always depending on God, right? Throughout our Christian life, is learning to depend on God, not on yourself. It's diametrically opposing to humanism in a sense. Because humanism believes on yourself, whereas Christianity, theistic believes that you believe God and we need to depend on So the angels here, do not be afraid, which we see angels always announce that uh, to, to Marys and others as well when they appear. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. See? Your prayer has been heard. And he's going to answer your prayer now. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Well, let me tell you that's a great thing, okay? Because that was before the day of Pentecost, before New Testament. Holy Spirit in the Old Testament come and go. Especially come to someone, Samson or David, and then he will depart. But since the time of Christ, after Christ died, resurrected, ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit now to us. And therefore, we have the Holy Spirit residing in us as a believer, running this race not on our own self-will, but uh, God's strength and Holy Spirit helping us to live out our Christian life. But this is before the days of that happened. And here, the prophecy is that uh, John is going to be like that. Your prayers have been heard. Prayers of faith are filled in heaven and are not forgotten. Zechariah, God has remembered. That is your name. God remember you. God has not forgotten your prayer. And now is the time. The timing is right. Have to wait until you are completely, your wife is completely barren. Then and only, I'm going to manifest myself to you. So that beyond any doubt, no one can say it is by chance. No one. And God often do that, isn't it? Even to Abraham and, and Sarah, even Mary, virgin birth. He has to wait until it's beyond any doubt. Then and only God will intervene so that the credit and the glory will always go to God and not through some kind of coincidental circumstances, in a sense. So Zechariah was a faithful priest. He was a uh, fearful priest. He was, he was scared to death. Uh, and thirdly, uh, oh, sorry, I forgot about reading this verse. I haven't, I haven't finished this verse. He will bring back many. He's talking about John the Baptist. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he is going to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the right righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John the Baptist is going to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. And thirdly, he's a faithless priest. Again, interestingly, he was always a faithful priest in performing his duty when when really things happened at that time, he just lost his faith. Really? Really, God? Really? Really? My wife is going to... I'm almost giving up my prayer. Or someone said, maybe I've given up praying for someone. When I was in London recently, we spent time with uh, one, one of my wife's friends that they have not met for 40 over years. 
And uh, believe it or not, when we went to Westfield Shopping Town, not this one, uh, but in London, uh, we sat there. As a pastor, I love to talk, but, uh, but for that two hours, believe, believe me, Believe it or not, I, I didn't utter much words at all. Oh, all that we uttered was, tell us more, tell us more. This lady just captured us with two hours of testimonies after testimony. And we just sat there with a cup of coffee and just said, yes, tell us more. So what happened? Oh, two hours. And she told us that she prayed for her husband who was a Hindu. And he became Christian after 34 years of prayer. Four years just before he died of cancer. And when he came to know the Lord, uh, it was he hasn't been contacted with, contracted with cancer yet. In the 2 a.m. in the morning, shake his wife up. I want to be a Christian. Beautiful testimony. And here, uh, after Zechariah had been praying for so many years, he almost had given up his prayer. Uh, God said, well, I'm going to answer your prayer now. I'm going to answer your prayer. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this, that you're going to give me a son? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Good news means gospel, by the way. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. So because he has no faith, God said, well, since you sin with your tongue, I'm going to silence you for the nine months period until your wife gave birth to John. You'll be silent for nine months. Instead of looking to God in faith, Zechariah suddenly looks at himself and his wife and decides that the birth of a son is impossible. He thinks his physical limitations will hinder Almighty God. And interestingly, when you look at the verses in uh, the birth of Jesus foretold, uh, when, Mary appeared, um, when the angel appeared to Mary, uh, interestingly, uh, it says, Mary's response was very different from Zechariah, isn't it? Remember Mary's response? In chapter 1, verse 38, he said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. May it be, let me read to you the actual word. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you said. Where Zechariah, the aged priest, uh, asked for a sign. Uh, Mary, the young maiden from Galilee, just submits in simple faith to the Lord when told of the virgin birth. I don't know. Maybe as we age, as we grow a bit older, we become more cynical. Is it possible? We've been baffled with the blow of life. We are not as optimistic. We are not as zealous. We are more tempered. We're as young when you are, you know, certain age. You have not tried many things before. We're very idealistic. The world is your playground, you know. You can charge. You're fearless. Whereas as we age, we become more cautious. Uh, and But l believing in a God helps to balance it up, to know that it is not what is God. God is in the picture. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. And how many times 
uh, don't we look in the wrong direction? Because Zechariah looked in the wrong direction. He just looked at his own situation, his own circumstances. He never looked up. Think of Peter who looked at the wind and the waves instead of Jesus, and then he began to sink. Think of Abraham and Sarah looking at themselves instead of God. Think of Elijah who fled for his life from Jezebel, and he crawled under a broom tree to die. And until God has to send an angel to say, come on, Elijah, come on. So from a faithful priest, he became a fearful priest, and then faithless priest. And lastly, and of course, yes, because you did not believe my words which will come through at their appointed time, therefore you will be, uh, not be able to speak for nine months. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. So let me just finish it off uh, before I read to you the birth of John the Baptist and Zechariah's songs. Uh, he was also a favored priest. When his time of service is completed, two weeks, we don't know during that two weeks when uh, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and, and announced that news to him. We, we do not know. Uh, Zechariah returns home to the hill countries of Judea. Do you think he walked or do you think he ran? Do you think he sat on a donkey? Maybe he paid some money or to hire a camel or something like that. I don't know. And like a Melbourne cop, you know, whacking the the poor animal to run faster to reach his hometown to announce the news to his wife Elizabeth. But he can't speak. He can't talk. So what do you think he do? Probably he writes, maybe? I don't know. If he, if he did that, I presume the letter would be something like this. Dearest Elizabeth, I always thought my faith was strong but your husband is not as strong as you may think. This week, I received the highest honor of my life. God, the blessed Holy One, chose me to burn the incense. I slowly entered the holy place carrying the censer filled with glowing coals. What a moment! I saw the golden candlestick you must understand they have never entered before. They probably have a chance only once in their lifetime. I finally saw the golden candlestick, the table of showbread, the golden altar of incense. I hardly dared to look at the curtain. And as I was putting incense on the coal, an angel appeared. He was standing on the right side, Elizabeth, the place of God. I was scared to death. He talked to me. He called me by name. He knew me. He told me not to be afraid. He told me we would have a boy. We are going to have a boy. Elizabeth, Zechariah and Elizabeth, oh, Baron, are going to have a baby. Baby boy. And this boy, our boy, is going to prepare to prepare the way for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. Elizabeth, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. I don't know how many times he probably repeat that phrase because they've been waiting for 400 years. I didn't believe him, Elizabeth. I didn't believe him. 
your husband didn't receive God remembered, even though my name was Zechariah. So I was told, I cannot talk until our baby is born. The angel did something to my tongue because my faith is so small. Elizabeth, our prayers have been heard. God himself told me he will be answering our prayers. Can you believe this? Of course you can. Your faith has always been stronger than mine. Your ever-loving husband, Zechariah. Favorite priest. And let me just now read to you. My time is running out. Let me just uh, finish. When, th- when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In this day, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let me read to you the birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shed her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit now, and then he began to prophesy. And this is known in the Advent season as Zechariah's song. There are three songs, Mary's song, Zechariah's song, and Simeon's song. And this is Zechariah's song. Uh, it's known as Benedictus. Come from the Latin first word, Blessed be the Lord. See, and then he began to sing this song. He said, Praise be to the Lord. The God of Israel, because He has come to His people after 400 years silence and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He said through His holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember His holy covenant, the oath He swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And then now He prophesies over John the Baptist, His own son. And you, my child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, the trailblazer, the forerunner of the Messiah, to give His people the knowledge of salvation, through the forgiveness of their sins. Now, I love to expound on this, that the gospel is actually the forgiveness of sin, not the health and health gospel, not the positive thinking that we are so accustomed to hearing nowadays, which is the forefront of what the gospel is all about. Uh, Through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. 
to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. That's it, is it? Yep, there's only one sentence that talks about John the Baptist towards the end. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Zechariah was a faithful priest. He uh, was fearful, he was faithless, but at the same time, he was a favored priest, trusting the Lord, praying for the coming of the Messiah, and the Lord answered his prayer by giving him John the Baptist, who will be the trailblazer and forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus. As this Christmas season, we recount the story and look forward to the coming of Jesus. Let me close with this. Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts, uh, not familiar to uh, many, but people who uh, uh, sing hymns will know Isaac Watts uh, uh, penned a lot of many, many hymns. Uh, Isaac Watts was a genius. Did you know that at four years of age, he had learned Latin? At nine years of age, he learned Greek. And at year, uh, age 11, he mastered French. And at 13 years of old age, he mastered Hebrew. And his poetic reworking of the Psalms was magnificent. Un unfortunately for poor Isaac, he was not a very good-looking young man. Uh, uh, his one chance at love came, only one chance, okay? And he didn't get it. <laughs> His one chance at love came and went with a young lady named Elizabeth Singer, uh, who actually fell in love with uh, Isaac Watts' sight unseen through his published poems. He fell in love with Isaac Watts' poems. Uh, and Elizabeth was so taken with this man who could write so deeply and passionately that she, grew, she threw caution to the wind and asked him to marry her in a letter. But when they finally met, she retracted her offer. How sad, isn't it? She later wrote that Isaac Watts was only five feet tall and with a shallow face, hook, hook nose, prominent cheekbones, small eyes, and death-like color. This is what she wrote. And then what is the biggest blow is this. He said, I, as she said, I admire the jewel but not the casket that contained it. Isaac Watt never married. He got one chance, and that's it. He never married. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We've got to esteem singlehood in our culture. Right? We need to esteem singlehood. Uh, but he spent his single life focused on the glory of God. And in 1719, uh, Isaac Watts published his poetic work based on Psalms 98 that would go on to become what many considered the greatest Christmas hymn of all time, which is Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And he says, let me read this and I'll close. Joy to the World, the Lord is come. John the Baptist is going to harrow in. Jesus will be the joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. 
joyful world. The Lord has come. Zechariah, God has remembered. God has remembered the promise to reward faithfulness. God has remembered the promise to hear prayers. But especially, God has remembered the promise of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that the Messiah will come, that sin will be defeated, and Satan will be crushed. Lord, we thank you for this Christmas uh, event season that we can look at various characters in the Bible and uh, just look and remember the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. We are the recipient. We are, the, we are just down the road 2,000 years later receiving all this early days Christianity that has influenced the world. And even this country has some strong Christian heritage because early days all true, and we are the recipient of all this. We remember this Christmas, and we, we want to bring Christ back into Christmas as we remember uh, Christmas is becoming increasingly more and more secular, the devoid of Christ. May we, in our own ways, uh, look up and bring Jesus into Christmas because He is the reason for this season. Thank you. Amen.